Hello, my friend. If you're a pastor, this podcast is for you. Let's talk shepherdology. This is episode six of Shepherdology. My name is Dean Taylor, and Shepherdology is for Pastors. I like to spend this time with you sharing an encouraging truth and then giving some helpful principles regarding ministry and then pray for you. We'll spend about 30 minutes together, and I want to be a pastor's friend, and so I'm very thankful that you're taking the time to listen. And I want to start with a quote from a book that I'm reading. It's a fairly new book published in 2017. It's by Sinclair Ferguson, and the title of the book is Some Pastors and Teachers. And this, of course, is based on the text in Ephesians 4 that says that Christ gave to the church some pastors and teachers. Sinclair Ferguson is professor of systematic theology at Reformed Theological Seminary. And this is quite a hefty tome here. Uh, The book is, let's see, including the back matter um, over 800 pages long. So I am actually just starting to read this, and I intend to read through this over the summer a little bit each day, and I hope that it encourages my own uh, heart in ministry, but also that I'll glean some ideas that I can share with you and also in my classes as uh, the pastoral professor at Faith Baptist Bible College. So let me just share with you one thought that stood out to me here recently in this book. Sinclair Ferguson is quoting from a letter that John Newton wrote to a younger Christian, and it's regarding the differences between ministers or or men in ministry. And Newton wrote along these lines. He said, Some men may be more gifted than others, but that does not mean they are more sanctified. God, in his providence, shapes ministers in different ways with different gifts, impressing on them various aspects of the single burden of the gospel. Now, that was very encouraging to me, and I'll tell you the reason why. I think that as men in ministry, we find ourselves comparing our own abilities or opportunities or ability in uh, various areas of, of pastoring, such as preaching, with with other people, and can grow somewhat discouraged by that. And um, Sinclair Ferguson, quoting John Newton uh, here, John Newton is encouraging this man that God has actually um, equipped and shaped ministers in different ways, and he gives us, he calls it, various aspects of the single burden of the gospel. So with our differences, we each have our part, our place, our areas of strength, and we contribute uniquely and individually to the life of the church and to the growth of the church, and we can take heart in that. You know, it's so easy for us to look at other people and see uh, what their strengths are and wish that we had those strengths or or the combination of gifts or abilities that they have and and maybe the opportunities that that they have sometimes 
People will have a larger church or a church that might seem to be more vibrant and not as many problems as we have, and we compare ourselves to them. You know, some pastors are more people-oriented. They relate well to individuals. Others are stronger teachers and preachers. We just all have our various ways of ministering in the body of Christ. And it's good for us to remember that that's how God made us. That's how God made you. And he's using you and your unique set of gifts, your personality, your experiences, your background, your way of understanding and and preaching the word through your individual personality. And he's using you, and you are filling a specific place. You have a specific role in the body of Christ and in Christ's church building work. So my friend, take heart in that. I hope that you will be encouraged by that and just keep that in mind. And and just take time to thank God. Uh, Thank him for making you who you are and giving you the opportunities that you have and pray for his grace to fulfill those and to fulfill them faithfully and well. Now, last time here on Shepherdology, I shared with you some thoughts regarding companionship in a ministry marriage, and we're going to return to that. We talked some about the need for companionship in a ministry marriage. Uh, We talked about some of the, the unique ways in which uh, ministry marriage, and by that I mean specifically uh, a couple who is in ministry, and and for you as a pastor, a pastor and and his wife. So so we talked about some pr- uh, unique problems and challenges that a ministry marriage has, and today I want to turn now to the positive side and talk some about recovering companionship and cultivating companionship in a ministry marriage. You see, we cannot be passive. Oneness and companionship in marriage, and especially a ministry marriage, is something that we must proactively cultivate, and sometimes we have to recover it and protect it. So I want to share some principles of companionship and then some specific ways to practice that and then also some uh, ways of thinking about oneness in marriage. So just just join with me, if you would, in considering these, and, and I hope that, that you'll open your heart to maybe what God wants to show you about how to cultivate or maintain or even recover oneness and companionship in your marriage. First of all, here are just some basic principles of companionship. The first one has to do with commitment to one another. Now, that word has become weakened by overuse and misuse, the word commitment. What I mean by that is that you view marriage as a covenant. And the practical application of that is you have this attitude. We will work through anything and everything. The only question is how. So whatever the problem is in our lives, in our circumstances, whatever the burdens of ministry, whatever the strain on your relationship as husband and wife, whatever problem there may be between you, you will work through it. See, having 
having a commitment to one another that's based on seeing marriage as a covenant means that you'll work through anything and everything, and the only question is how. Now, here's a second principle of companionship. It's the idea of going in the same direction. A husband and wife need to be going in the same direction in life. You have a shared purpose and shared values in life. And if this is something that one, either one of you is struggling with, then there needs to be some real attention and prayer and maybe some conversations with somebody else in your lives who can can help direct your hearts in this. I think of Adam and Eve in the original um, environment that God created for them and them for. They're in the garden. And they did their work together, and they glorified God together. And that's the way a husband and wife needs to view ministry. Now, I don't mean that every pastor's wife is engaged in ministry to the degree that her husband is, but here's how I see it, and as my wife and I have talked about this, here's how we, we articulate this. Uh, a wife's heart really needs to be in ministry along with her husband. Now, let me ask two questions. The first one is for the husband. The second one is for a wife to consider. So for a husband, is your heart in your marriage? You see, you and I as men can become very caught up in our work, and we can begin to neglect the number one relationship and ministry that we have in this world, and that is with our wives. So so to the husband, I say, is your heart in your marriage And then for the wife, is your heart in ministry along with your husband? So this is a principle of companionship, commitment to one another, going the same direction. The third one is communication. You see, if you can communicate, then you can get through about anything. And if you are willing to just talk, to to work through the emotions and maybe the the hurt or the anger that has come up, if you're willing to uh, just just push through those and communicate with each other, then you can figure out and work out just about anything. Another principle is enjoying life together. You know, sometimes life becomes toil. Sometimes ministry just becomes labor. I know there's joy in ministry. I know that there is um, happiness in in serving the Lord, but sometimes it's just hard work, and life can become toil. Certain seasons of life, certain phases of life, can be extremely uh, put a real strain on your on your marriage, and you just need to find the fun that you have together as a couple. What do you enjoy doing together? How can you enjoy life together? My wife, Faith, and I have found several things that we enjoy doing and have kind of carried these through the years. One of them is playing tennis together, and the other is riding bikes together. And we just really enjoy that. A couple of weeks ago, we were uh, taking a little getaway together that was part of a bigger trip, and we spent the weekend in Boston, Massachusetts. And we did some of the normal sightseeing that people do when they go there, but we also booked a guided bicycle tour of Boston. Wow, that was so much fun. We enjoy riding, and we just 
uh, the fresh air and, and being out together along with a group of people, as well as seeing some of the the uh, interesting places there around Boston, which is a lot of fun. And we just shared in that joy together. And that's just one little example. And sometimes we have to work at that. Sometimes you might have to make plans for babysitters or to take a, a day off or whatever's necessary. But just figure out a way to enjoy life together. Then the last principle of companionship is growing spiritually. Just growing spiritually. Each of you needs to grow spiritually as an individual But then also, a couple really needs to learn to share their spiritual growth with the other. So sharing what God's teaching you, sharing how you're growing, sharing how God is shaping your life and and helping you in areas of of humility and selflessness and and love for others and and just, just love for God and His Word. And just always going to the Word, even as a couple, as you face challenges, as you face financial decisions or parenting challenges, times when you're being tested and the trials are deep and you just need some encouragement or you need some hope, um, going to the Word of God together and finding help there. So those are just some principles for companionship, some basics that uh, I think are necessary to think about and and to gauge what the status of those is in your life and possibly just take some time and give attention to and talk about together. Next, I'd like to talk about some practices for companionship. The first one is, if you need to, take action to recover it. Take action to recover companionship. You might need to have a heart-to-heart talk. And just say, you know, I think we might need to grow in this area, or I think we're struggling in this area. You might need to confess your selfishness, your neglect, your pride, your unwillingness to listen. You might need to ask for forgiveness or extend forgiveness to your spouse. If there's a serious issue with your companionship, I encourage you to consider getting some outside help. Now, for a pastor, this can be tough. Who do you go to when you need help in your marriage? Well, my friend, can I just tell you, you need to find somebody. There may be a pastor who lives near you, maybe who's a little bit older, and maybe you could just spend a little bit of time with yourself, and then maybe you and your wife with him and his wife, and just say, hey, would you guys pray for us, and there are just some things we're working through, and any advice you would give us. There might be an older couple that you respect. They might be in your church or somebody that you know, maybe a pastor that you served with in the past, and you could just get in touch with that couple and get some input, get some help. Maybe you need to go to a a weekend marriage retreat or, or just find some videos and or order pay if necessary for for some videos from a good teacher on marriage and and watch those together the point is whatever it takes whatever you need, you need to do to recover companionship in your marriage is important enough for you to do it so take action to recover secondly decide together that you are going to prioritize your marriage Just sit down together and just say, you know what? It needs to be a priority. 
and I've allowed or we've allowed our marriage to slip down the scale on uh, of priorities and let's talk about some things that are affecting our companionship in a negative way and let's talk about some steps that we're going to take to prioritize our marriage uh, what does this look like for us what does prioritizing our marriage look like for us and then a third very practical um, way to cultivate companionship is to plan and take time to be together to plan and take time to be together now honestly I would say this is one of the most simple and yet one of the most effective ways to recover or cultivate companionship in your marriage. In the last podcast, I referred to an article by Paul Gibson. The article is called Ministry Will Test Your Marriage. And by the way, just that title is true, isn't it? Ministry Will Test Your Marriage. But in the article, he gives several very practical ways to uh, practice companionship by taking time to be together. And here's one of them. Connect for 15 minutes a day. Connect for 15 minutes a day. Now that might not seem like very much, but for a busy pastor, and especially if if you have children at home, carving out, blocking out 15 minutes a day can be a challenge, but it's very important. It should be uninterrupted and undistracted. No phone. Leave the phones in another room and just talk and just connect and discuss whatever's on your minds. Then he goes on, Paul Gibson goes on in the article to suggest a date night at least once every two weeks. A date night at least once every two weeks. And that's without the children. Get a babysitter and just go out and be together. And you might not think it's that important. But let me tell you, to your wife, that is a big, big thing. It's a great blessing. It's it's a time for her to step away from home, step back from children, be with you, for her to have your full attention, and for you to have hers, and for you to focus on, sure, talk through the surface issues and the daily things that happen, but then get down to a heart level. Now, I'm still referring to this article by Paul Gibson, and he suggests, in addition to 15 minutes a day and a date night at least once every two weeks, a weekend away twice a year. A weekend away as a couple. Now, that's going to take even more effort and planning, and it's an expense. But I'm telling you, make it happen. I was serving in a church at one point in ministry, and... A lady talked to me just in the lobby. I'm just I'm just now remembering the conversation, actually. She was talking to me in the lobby, and my wife and I were going away, I think, for the weekend or something. And she said, you need that. You need that. And it was kind of um, a little bit interesting the way she said it, a little mysterious almost. I didn't quite understand it. But then later, I found out that she was having an adulterous affair. And I think in her own way, she was saying, you know, couples really need focused time together. Otherwise, they may drift and there may grow a great separation between them. Now, it's interesting coming from her in that situation, but I thought back on that and I thought, I wonder 
if she was just trying to almost send out a desperate signal, not only for herself, but even of a warning to me for our marriage. And it's really true. We drift, we get busy, we just uh, get caught up in ministry, and just planning time away together can help us reconnect. And again, I'm, I'm referring to this article, A Weekend Away Twice a Year. You know, one good way to do this is for each of you to plan one. So you plan one and your wife plans one, and then you you just uh, you do it, and it's a great time together. All right, then there's one more that's not in the article, but it's very basic, but I think it's it's essential. So ways to be together, to pray together. Pray together. Um, just figure out a time every day or at least several times a week when you and your wife can spend uh, a few minutes together or maybe even up to 30 minutes together just praying. Pray for each other. Pray for your children. Pray for your hearts. Pray for your marriage as well as other needs maybe in your lives. But that time of prayer together can just really bind your hearts and, and especially on a spiritual level. So those are some practices for companionship and those might be helpful to you. I hope that you'll think about them. And let me just share quickly a few thoughts on oneness, because I think really this is the basis for companionship, is the biblical concept of oneness. God joined Adam and Eve together, and they became one flesh. So what does it mean to be one? Here are some ways to learn oneness, ways to learn oneness. Are you ready? First of all, learn to share your life with another person. Learn to share your life with another person. We are naturally independent. We are naturally self-centered. Many times we have to learn how to make decisions together, how to communicate honestly with each other, not hurtfully, but honestly, and how to be transparent about areas of spiritual growth and spiritual struggles. So learning oneness involves learning to share your life with another. Secondly, learn to face in so you can face out. Now, my wife came up with that phraseology. Let me repeat it and then explain it to you. Learn to face in so you can face out. We go through life side by side with our wives. We face the heavy demands on our energy, our attention, in our time. We have to work at turning toward each other. We do that by making time to talk. We do that by making time to draw close to each other, to have deep and meaningful conversations, even the time to be physically intimate, so that we can face our daily lives as one. So learn to face in so you can face out. That includes prioritizing your time for communication. That includes being creative with your expressions of, of love and affection. It may involve including others in your spiritual growth if a sin struggle has emerged. And it doesn't, does involve and include just enjoying life and having fun together. Learn to face in so you can face out. Then the third way of practicing oneness or learning it is learn to grow together, not apart. 
Learn to grow together, not apart. The number of divorces between husbands and wives in their 60s and 70s is stunning. And I was reading an article about it, and one of the the quotations in the article said that one of the, the top reasons that, that couples at that stage in life who get a divorce give is we just grew apart. Well, how sad. And my pastor friend, as ministry couples, we need to learn to not grow apart, but to grow together. You're in it for the long haul. You will face trials, some of them very deep trials. They could be trials involving health, maybe your adult children, possibly finances, sin struggles. All of these things can push you apart. Learn to grow together. Enjoy being lifetime companions. Do new things together. As you get older, use the wisdom and character and experience that you've gained to influence others. And always encourage each other, whatever you're going through, to trust God and to grow through the trials. Sometimes we say, grow old together. Let's grow old together. As Peter puts it in 1 Peter 3, 7, being heirs together of the grace of life. So learn oneness. Learn to share your life with another. Learn to face in so you can face out. And learn to grow together, not apart. I really hope these thoughts on companionship and a ministry marriage have helped you. I don't want to discourage you, that's for sure. And I know this kind of thing can be discouraging, but I just want to to give you some things to think about and talk about with your spouse and pray about. And what I would like to do now is just pray for you and pray that these truths will become a reality in your life. So will you pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, you look on us with favor. You pour out your grace upon us, wave after wave, grace upon grace. And I know that the pastors listening to me right now need these waves of grace. And Father, we need them especially in our marriages. So I pray for my pastor friend who's listening right now who might feel hopeless, overwhelmed, discouraged, is being hurt, maybe, in his marriage. And Father, I pray that you will use some of the things that we've talked about, not to discourage, but to to provide a path forward. And Father, for some who might really need another man or couple in his life, for himself and his wife to have as, as counselors and mentors, will you provide that person? Will you bring names to mind? Will you cause their paths to cross? Father, I pray that you'll provide the mentors who are needed for those who really are desperate for that right now. And Father, I pray that we would be examples to the flock, not only by how well we function as a husband and wife, as a couple, and by the the oneness that we do have, but also Help us to be examples to our church members by how we recover, how we grow, how we protect oneness in our marriages also. So encourage my pastor friends, I pray, and we ask that you'd be glorified in the fruit 
of this in our lives. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Friend, for spending this time with me today here on Shepherdology. I'd love to connect with you if you'd like. My website is deanhtaylor.com. My email address connected with this podcast is shepherdologypodcast at gmail.com. I'm on Twitter at deanhtaylor63. So let's connect, and I look forward to getting together with you again, and we'll talk shepherdology. Thank you.